0: i'm gonna read verse um, I struggle with this all the time. I like participation, and um we're doing recordings, and I don't want to not have the voices read, so we're gonna to read together, so you know I was gonna do alternate reading uh but let's read together. we're gonna to read genesis twenty two verses number one through 13. You ready to read? You can't leave here today and say, well, we didn't really read a lot of scriptures in the Bible. No, you'll leave today and say, oh, we read some scriptures in the Bible. I learned something today. Amen. Genesis 22, verse number one, the word of the Lord says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom... and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which... And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, "'My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering.' So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son.' And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. whole lot of reading there. That's some good stuff. We're going to dissect that this morning. We're going to look into that a little deeper this morning. There's a whole lot of message there. The first message I'm going to tell you that's in there. Children. Children in the in the house this morning? Yes, they are. When your parents call you, you need to say, Here I am. You caught that message? Every time. The angel of the Lord call unto Abraham. He says, Here I am. That's a grown man. Children, you need to tell your parents when they call you, Here I am, and you walk towards them. That's the first lesson we learn there. So When God call you, here I am, Lord. Father, your word is already blessed and settled. We thank you for the opportunity to read it aloud and to let it go into our hearing, to go into our heart, to take root and to produce good fruit. Now, Lord Jesus, I believe you want to do great work and mighty work among your people. Lord Jesus, we will not just receive the word of the Lord intellectually this morning, but God, we open our heart to you and we give you total access. We submit to you and we say, God, do whatsoever you want. We will worship you and we We will praise you. We don't want to walk out of this place today, Lord God, without knowing we were in your presence and we receive a word and a touch from you. Now, God, you know the need of every individual. You know where we are just right now, Lord God. Now, will you work your work in our heart? Will you move mightily upon us? And, God, I pray that we will leave this place changed, that we will leave this place different, that we will leave this place,
1: Lord, God, with an attitude of worship, with an attitude of servitude, with an attitude of follow you. Now, God, I pray for miracles and demonstration of your power, that, Lord God, you will show us today oh God, what you want to do in our life, that you will show us today, that if we Lord God will trust you, the things you will do will blow our minds. Lord, have your way, only you can do the things that you do. We we humble ourselves unto you, and we give you the praise and the honor,
0: for you are our God. Oh, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Clap your hands unto the Lord. In Jesus' name, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've entitled today's message, The Lord Will Provide. The Lord will provide. Oftentimes when we read the Bible, we tend to make ourselves think that the people of the Bible aren't really like us. We convince ourselves that they are more spiritual than us. That they know more about God than we do. That they don't have faults. And flaws like we do. We tell ourselves they are more godly than us. That's why they're in the Bible and we're not. When you study the life of Abraham, you see that he had plenty of flaws and faults. And he made mistakes and bad decisions. As we do. But yet the Bible says he is the father of faith. With all the mistakes Abraham made. With all the flaws that he has in his life. God says that Abraham is the father of faith. Abraham wasn't perfect. He did some things that you wonder, how can you call yourself a man of faith with some of the decisions and some of the choices you've made? One of the decisions that Abraham made that was real suspect was the time when Abraham told a half-truth. A half-truth is a lie. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, if it's not straight all the way, then it's a lie. And I remember the time Abraham decided that he would try to flee the area in which he was because he understood there was a famine in the land and he was trying to get to a place where there there, there was food and he would be able to, 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 to eat and be okay even though there's a famine in the land. And so we set out to go down to Egypt. But as he got closer, he realized that his wife, Sarah, was just beautiful. And down in those areas in Egypt, uh, the leaders, and especially Pharaoh, would, would, would see beautiful women and take them as their wife. And so Abraham realized, I'm in a situation here where uh, Pharaoh will see my wife, Sarah, and say, ooh, I want her. So Abraham decided, you know what I'm going to do? When Pharaoh or any one of his people see my wife and, and they start lusting after her, I'm just going to tell them she's my sister. Half truth. And so Abraham got into the situation where now Pharaoh saw this beautiful woman, Sarah, and he said, I want her, and he brought her into his court and all these things. And they, Abraham said to Pharaoh, she's my sister, not my wife. And of course, God is such a good God that God started smiting Pharaoh with all kind of sickness and all kind of stuff started breaking out in Pharaoh's camp. And he knew right away, this woman is somebody else's wife. I better leave her alone. And he realized it was Abraham's wife. And he went to Abraham and said, man, why you lied to me? The father of faith, big old lie. And we think the people in the Bible are perfect. The people in the Bible, they're in there because they're just better than us. The people in the Bible, they, they knew God and we barely know God. The people in the Bible, they're special and we're not. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you need to get that out of your mind. They got in the Bible because they were in the right place at the right time, but they are people just like me and you. And that's why I started out this morning by telling you we're all People, Nobody is better and
1: nobody is different. We came from Almighty God and we just decided to settle in different places in our world. But all people are people. We all bleed the same. We all have faults. We all do things that God don't like. And we all struggle sometimes with the things of God. So was Abraham and so are you and me today. But God wants us to know in spite of it we can be called the father of faith. Uh, The mother of faith. Uh, We can be called the people of faith uh, because nothing can stop us uh, if we continue to trust God. Nothing can stop us.
0: Don't you think something was different about Abraham? Don't you think Abraham was special more than you? No, 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 no. He was just in a place at a certain time where God could write his story. Faith is what is most emphasized about Abraham's life. There are three significant times in Abraham's life that he demonstrated faith, which I believe those three significant times qualified him to be called the father of faith. Here are the three times. When God called him to leave where he was living, to go to a place where he did not know, he obeyed God. I want us to follow this for all of us in here today. God God spoke to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to leave from among your kindred. I want you to leave from among your family. And I want you to go to a place where I will show you. Let me translate a little bit more. You don't know the place where you're going, but I'm sending you someplace. I want you to get going, leave your family, leave this place that you know and comfortable with, and I want you to go to a place where I will guide you to it, and I will tell you where to go, but you're going to a place. Will you go, Abraham? And Abraham says, yeah, and he went. How does that equate to your life? When God tells you to come and give your life to Him, you need to go to church and you need to surrender your life to me. You need to go here and surrender
1: and submit and say, Here I am, Lord, I surrender to you. We have to take our eyes off people and put our eyes on God. The church is not about people. The Bible says the church is the body of Christ. The Bible says the church was built by Jesus Christ. And upon the church, God says, Yes, Upon this rock I will build my church And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church Take your eyes off the preacher Take your eyes off the people And put your eyes on God He's using the church To send you on your journey Where he wants you to go It's not about the people It's not even about me It's about God saying Come and go to a place Where I will show you Yeah I'll use the preacher to tell you something Yeah i have use the people to give you some guidance Uh, But ultimately, I'm the one that's leading the charge. Uh, I'm the one that's taking you on the journey. I'm just sending you uh, to the church of the living God, not the church of living people. He
0: told Abraham, go. And Abraham went. That's the first significant thing that qualified him. Is God telling you to go? How often people come to church? And they get up and leave and says, yeah, all that I heard, that was kind of true. And, you know, I, I probably need to do some of that stuff or I need to stop doing this stuff. But you get up and you leave. But it's no different than what God did for Abraham. I want you to go. And a lot of times we don't go to places where God is sending us because we don't know what to expect. We feel naked, uncomfortable. I don't, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm afraid to do this. The, one of the greatest things I hear about people, well, I'm waiting until I get myself together before I give my life to God. I wonder if Abraham said, thought about that. Well, God, let me, let me, let me get myself together before I start going on that journey. You can't get yourself together because you're not together. God is together and He will get you together. And so when He called you, what He's really
1: saying to you, if I can translate for the Lord, is Come on with me and I will get you together. Because where you are, if you stay there, you will never get together. But I will call you from among the people that influence you to do wrong and to go the wrong way. And I'm gonna bring you on to me to influence you in righteousness and to go the right way. Come on to me and I I will direct you.
0: When God is pulling you and calling on you we don't want to give our life to God I'm, I say all the time who needs to be baptized today and we say I know I should but you know I'm not ready right now oh really don't you understand it's not me
1: that's asking you don't you understand God is just using me to speak I'm not speaking my own words make sure you check out what I'm saying and realize the words that I speak is not the words of Wayne it's the word of the living God the and when he gives me the rhema I will speak that as well but I won't speak my own word because I'm not the one in charge of this I'm not the one that's doing this it's the almighty God himself and he's calling for you to say will you go to where I'll send you i got to use my local church that's how i got to do it Abraham gained notoriety as a man of faith because when God
0: said go He went. The second thing Abraham did to prove, or the significant thing that he did to show his faith was when God told him he would have a son at an old age where his reproductive system was no longer active. So God came to him and his wife. You both are going to have a child. And Abraham is like in his mind, but he held his peace. I can't have no kids at this age. My reproductive system is done. It's dead. But because God told him, he says, all right, I believe it. I trust you, God. We will have a son. Some things God will tell you might seem impossible don't you be slothful? Don't you think that, man, God, I don't know all about that. That's too much. I can't understand that. God is looking for people that when he speaks, they will trust his word and they will move on his word. You can't worry about the things that God is telling you that look impossible. They they might be impossible to you, but what does the scripture say? With God, all things are possible. If you want to think it's impossible, if you think that
1: I can't see, that That's exactly why you need to trust God. When you can't see, when you don't understand, you need to trust God. We want to only respond to God when we understand, when we can see. And that's the total opposite way of how we need to live for God. When you can't see it, when you can't understand it, when you don't know how it will happen, that's when you need to say, this got to be God. This has to be God. Because I know I can't do it. I know I don't understand it. It has to be God. So let me move forward. We have to stop doing the things that seems to be easy and come natural to us. Because those are your things. But the things that you can't do, they come from God. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. It's easy for us to want to do our thing. That's not what God wants for you. God wants you to trust him. And if everything he wants you to do, you can do it according to your talents and according to your ability and according to you getting all puffed up and, hey, psyched up, I can do this, I can do this. Uh, No, you need to look at square in the face and say, I know I can't do that. I know I'm not able to do that. I can't even see how that's possible. But Lord, I trust you and I'm, I'm all in. The third significant thing that happened in Abraham's life that qualified him to say he's the father of faith was when God told him, the story we just read, told him to offer up his only son Isaac as a sacrifice unto him. He did without hesitation. These are the three times... Abraham demonstrated faith, for which the Bible says he was a man of faith. Notice something in these three times he demonstrated faith. Check it out. In the three times he demonstrated faith in what we just went over, his faith increased each time. The first time, he just heard the voice and went. That wasn't too bad. I think I hear God. I'm going to go to church this morning not that bad I, I talked to a lot of people that came to church and they might not have given the full explanation but it was something that uh, moved in them or just somehow they felt like i need to go to church when they got to church though what did they do you see how it's increasing so the first thing god did was go he had a little faith all right a little bit of faith there because he went But the second thing now, God told him something impossible. It's like you here today. And I can say to you, God wants to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You got quiet. (laughs) I just proved my point. So he got you here. That was good. You came. But now God is speaking some impossible things to you through me. And you're sitting there saying, "Ah, yeah, you're probably right, preacher. I know God is all-powerful, but you're not believing it for yourself. I know God can do the impossible, but you're still not believing it for yourself. You sit there, and you, you're trying to negotiate it and reason it. I don't know. But we got proof here. Abraham answered the call to go. And then God told him something impossible. So today, I'm telling you something that's Impossible. I remember when I first went to church and I was told that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the reason, the way you will know you really have it is when you speak with other tongues. To me, that seemed far out. You've got to be honest. But as more, as much as I come, I came to church and I listened and I watched. I said, oh, it really does happen. Yeah, people receiving the Holy Spirit, they talking in tongues. And you know, I'm like, yeah, it looked real. And so eventually... I just kept pressing, pressing, kept worshiping, kept praising the Lord. Before you know it, it happened to me too. I'm like, oh, this really do work. Uh Uh-huh. You know what I like to say about Abraham and those guys? I always say, give them credit. You know why he's called the father of faith? Just like the devil is called the father of lies. It means you started something. The Bible says the devil is the father of lies. He's a liar and the father of lies. So it means he started out lying. He was the one that instituted lying. That's what it means. So whenever we lie, we're following... Uh Uh-huh. 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 You don't never get it explained to you like that, do you? I, I like to explain things clear so you understand how you're living and what you're doing. Whenever we lie... That's not that's not a that's not a character flaw. We have character flaws that flow from our flesh. Certain things we do. We can overeat, that's because we're just greedy. Character flaws. Right? Those are things that that, that naturally come from us because we live it in the flesh. Lying and pride is not a natural character flaw. It came from the devil. When you lie or you have pride, you're operating in the devil's realm now. You got quiet on me. I'm trying to help you this morning.
1: Anytime you're lying
0: and hold to that lie, operating in the devil's realm. And and whenever you have pride, you can't allow people to talk to you or you, you don't humble yourself you're operating in the devil's realm and you can't receive because that's the devil's realm. But then, you know, you might overeat. That's a sin, but that's your deal. Oh, yeah. You know, some of the things we do, it's just us. But those two things, we got to be careful. And so when you come to church and the Lord speak the impossible to you, are you going to be like Abraham and say, I trust you, God. I'm going to believe you, God. Or you're going to say, I don't know. We have to trust God if we're going to be like Abraham. And so faith is supposed to increase. So the first thing was he believed God to go without even knowing where he was going. Brother Derek Barrett, he was invited to this church. Some months back, probably over a year now, right? And he knew he was supposed to come. Somebody told him. And he was trying to find a church, and he couldn't find a church because he didn't know the church was in the fire station. So he drove around, drove over the area, just kept looking for a church building. No church building. The Lord had him on a mission. You follow what I'm saying? He knew he was supposed to be in the house of God, but he couldn't find it. So he kept driving around, couldn't find it. Let me tell you how incredible God is, Mike. You ready for this? So he couldn't find a church building, so he like he gave up. A few weeks later, we do what we call in this church outreach. We go door knocking, knock on people's door. Jesus love you. Would you like us to pray for you? Here's a track. If you'd ever love to come to church, we, we invite you. We walked down Brother Barrett Street, and I knocked on his door. Boom, 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 boom. He opens the door. Not nobody else. He opens the door. And I begin to talk, talk to him about the love of God and about the church. He didn't tell me then, but later on he told me he almost passed out. Because you got to understand this. God sent him on a journey to come here. He couldn't find it. But he went on the journey. That's the great news. And God says, your effort, you you're obeying me. You're putting some work into this. Let me make sure you get there. And so God sent the pastor of the church. I don't know if y'all understand that. That's not just no regular stuff there. God sent the man to the church. He couldn't find the church. And God says, no problem. I will send the pastor to your house. Not just anybody. I'm going to send the pastor to your house. And he will knock on your door. And he will talk to you. When God sent you on a journey, if you will just go. He went... And didn't know where to go. But the effort just got God to say, I got you. Mm, mm, mm,
1: mm, mm.
0: So our faith is supposed to increase. And so with when with, with Abraham first went, that was faith. Then the second time when God says, listen to me, son, you're going to have a child. Even though your reproductive system is dead, you and your wife will produce a child. No, don't worry about a thing. It will happen. And it happened. He trusted God and it happened. Faith increased. And then the third time, God said, go offer your son as a sacrifice. You know how they do sacrifice? Wood. This is the altar. Wood. Put the sacrifice on top. Tie down the sacrifice. Kill the sacrifice. The fire. And the sacrifice get burnt up. That's what God told him to do with his only son. You see how it progressed? Go. Okay, Lord, I'll go. He didn't have anything to lose. Who knows? I don't know if the home life was that great anyway. So when God told him to go, he brought, let me get out of here. I'm glad to get out of here. So we don't know if that was just no big deal. Just go. Second thing was, he didn't have any kids. So when God told him the impossible, he wanted to believe that one. Because I don't have any kids. So if I'm old and my reproductive system is not working, I'm still going to trust and believe God for this because I want me a son. But the third one, the one and only son that you finally got. Now, dude, I want you to give that son up to me. Sacrifice. You You reconcile that one in your mind like how is that possible for Abraham to say, okay. But God worked with him. It was, it was by God testing Abraham that his faith was proven. Remember when we started reading, it says, and God tempt Abraham. It wasn't tempt like we think. It was test. Test and tempt is two different things. God tested Abraham. Because as you walk with God, you're supposed to increase in faith. As you walk with God, you're supposed to become stronger spiritually. And things will begin to... uh, Let me help somebody. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Here is something God wants you to hear this morning. When you first start walking with God, he treats you like a baby because you are a babe. When you start walking with him, he says, come on, my little child, and he spoon feeds you. Things just happen almost like jean in a bottle kind of thing. It just poof, and it happens, and you're like, wow, and you're just all mesmerized about the things God is doing, and you're telling everybody, God is so good. Well, you're a babe, and he's spoon feeding you. God expects you to grow and get stronger. So guess what? As as you begin to grow, he begins to test you and make things a little bit more difficult. Go back to Abraham. And he makes things a little bit more difficult because he's trying to get you to grow. He's trying to get you to trust him more. He's trying to get you to, to, to walk with him a, a little closer. And so he begins to test you so you can continue to move forward and keep on passing these tests so you can grow in God. And so some of you, as babes, God has blessed you and made things easy for you. And as God's starting to challenge you to try to get you to grow, you started backing up. You started backing up because now things are not happening as easy as they used to happen. Well I'm here to tell you according to the Spirit of the Lord it is still God that same God that was making it easy for you in the beginning
1: it's the same God that's challenging you to say trust me I gotta test you because I gotta make sure you're strong I gotta make sure you're ready where I'm taking you. I wanna do great things in you and so I gotta test you and every time you're I'm going to bring it back again. I'm going to bring it back again until you finally pass it. Because I've got great things for you to do. I've got powerful things that you will do. But i got to strengthen you. I have to test you so you can get it done. I can't let you stay a babe. You want to stay a babe? And God is saying, no, I can't make you a spoiled brat. God can't leave you there. So when you started out and he blessed you, man, you just
0: had to think it. And here it comes. You're like, whoa, this Christian living is good. I just, how God knew that. It was just on my mind. And here we go. Yeah. That's, that's the way it works when we start. But as you keep going, it gets a little harder because he's testing you. He's trying to strengthen you just like he did Abraham. And so God tested Abraham. He didn't tempt him. We will be tested by God that our faith will be proven. How do we determine if what we are going through is a test from God or not? I'm glad you asked. The test challenges you to trust God. Everything else is a temptation to cause you to lust after in order to satisfy your desires. So watch it. If what you're dealing with is a challenge to make you have to trust God, that's how you know it's a test from God. But everything else you have to deal with, the challenges that you have to deal with, The struggle you have to deal with, they're temptations that's messing with your lustful desires. And so when you find yourself struggling with a lustful desire, and trust me, lust don't always mean sexual things. You can lust after wanting something that you shouldn't, that God don't want you to have. You know, you can lust after money. So, so so, so, the bottom line is, when you find yourself struggling with, with, with something you want to deem as a test, well, this is only a test. No, no, no. God don't test you with evil. So here's how you break it down. When there's evil in it, then you know this is not from God. When it's righteousness, uh, because it's trying to get you to trust God, uh, that's how you know this is from God. So, I'll give you a good example. You're sitting in your seat, and you feel like, I need to go to the altar and pray. No, you don't. You just need to sit there. There is no way that's the devil telling you to go to the altar. The devil will not tell you to go to the altar and pray to God. So when you're in the church, and you're sitting there in your seat, and something says, you need to go and lift your hands. And you say, "Eh, I don't know about all that. It's not the devil. It's not God. The devil won't send you to go pray. So that's the challenge that, you know, that's God trying to get me to get stronger. God wants me to go to the altar to trust him, to lift my hands and pray that he will overshadow me with his spirit. So I better go and pray. But say now, here's a good one. You're married. Marriage ain't going good. It's all messed up. Seems like it can't get right. And you see somebody that you like, and they're kind of giving you the eye, you giving them the eye, and y'all get along really good, have a really good, you know, conversation going, and 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 you feel like, man, this person is way better than my spouse. You can't say, maybe God is bringing them into my life. But. I'm just trying to help you because that's the kind of stuff that we say. We, we, we say, yeah, man, my marriage is a mess, and I met this guy or I met this gal, and they just like, perfect. I can see God working this out for me. So now you see the two. One is a test from God for God to say, if you will walk from the back of that sanctuary and come to the front and lift your hands, I will do something miraculous in your life. And you got to battle with that. That shouldn't be a battle. Just go, because that's not from the devil. It's not from anything else but from God. But when you get a thought about something that's trying to tell you uh, you're going to be fine, just just this will meet your pleasures uh,
1: and desires, then you know, whoa,
0: wait a minute. that That's not a test. That's a temptation. We got to understand how God works. So you can't begin to go in an evil way and say, Nah, God, God, God's working it out. God don't have anything to do with evil. So when God is testing you, evil is nowhere around. But when you're getting tempted of the devil, evil is all around. The devil don't tempt you with godly things. And God don't test you with evil things the way it works we must have faith to please God if we are not living by faith we are living according to our own desires matter of fact there's a scripture that says whatever is not a faith is sin I'm not even going to go that deep on you this morning because that's just you know we're trying to get somewhere here so I'm not even going to go so deep but we need to live by faith and not by our desires so what is faith You're going to always hear me say what faith is because what everybody describes as faith, I must say it's not clear. Let me say it like that. That's the best nice way to say it. Whatever you describe as faith, whatever you will tell anybody that's faith, it's not clear. And remember I always tell you, people like to say faith is just you need to really believe. That's not faith. If you just really believe. Because you can really believe and it will not happen. Did that mean you didn't believe hard enough? And so I always try to let people know what faith is. Here is faith. And you measure this definition up with any scripture that comes up. And you'll see how much more this makes sense than anything else. Faith is our personal intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. That he is deity and humanity. Almighty God became a man. The man Christ Jesus. That is faith. I know you go to Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, explain that to me and show me how you work that. You can't. Just got to believe without seeing. We can believe without seeing. Does that mean that's God? Now let me add the next portion of faith, the next portion of definition about faith. I said faith. Is, is, under, is having the intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ that He is deity and humanity, Almighty God became man, the man Christ Jesus. When you know that, then you understand this. This knowledge will enable us to work in harmony with God to do His will. Everything else have you out of balance. For instance, I just did this the other night, Sister Sylvia. No, for instance. Somebody is sick and you say, preacher, I need you to go and pray for so-and-so that they can be healed. Me and you, in our natural way of thinking, how we've been taught, we go in and we're going to lay hands and we're going to say, Lord, touch him and heal him in Jesus' name. Then we're going to walk away and say, God's going to heal you. Well, how do you know God's going to heal him? I would like to know how you know God's going to heal him. Are you God? But you had faith when you prayed. You see what I'm saying? Now, what I just described to you is this. God, because I know who you are, that you were almighty and a spirit, but because you wanted us to know you, you became the man Christ Jesus and gave your life for us. I know you can do the impossible. I know you can do the miraculous. But I also know that you are the one that knows everything perfectly. What is the will for this man's life? So before I went to pray for the guy last Sunday, I said, God, what is the will for his life? And then I got this little negotiating plea that I do with the Lord. I said, Lord, if he's not saved, we can't let him die in his sin. That's why I negotiate and plead with God every time. I said, I said, God, maybe you gave him many opportunities to hear the gospel and he never obeyed. But God, I'm just, I'm standing in tonight asking you to give him one more chance. So all I'm asking you for, Lord, is for you to heal him so he will have the chance to go give his life to you to be born again of the water of the spirit. Can you do that for me, Lord? And I sit in the car and I'm waiting before I go and pray for that person. I don't go in the house and pray. I don't go to people and pray until I pray to the one that knows everything first. Come on, somebody. This is what I'm talking about. Faith. When you go and you pray and ask God, what is his will? Because here is the truth of the matter. Here's the truth. I said it to the man the other there. So here's the truth of the matter. What if you're saved right now? You're strong right now. But God knows in about two months from now, there's going to be something that's going to get stirred up where you're going to get weak. And you're going to back away from God. And you're going to turn away from God and start living a life of evil and unrighteousness. What if God decided I can't let him see the next two months because the next two months will destroy him and he will never spend eternity with me. Will God let him see the next two months? No. That sickness is going to be unto death. He's going to die. Why? For the good of God. For the good of him. But we never look at life like that. Why? Because we've been taught for so long, just really believe and that means you have faith. God is ultimately the master. He's doing this thing and we better get on board with him. We don't know nothing, but if we will go to him and say, God, I'm your child. Will you help me to explain, help me to understand what you're doing? God will under, will make the way for you to understand. Listen to this. Redemption is about us. You know how we like to say, Oh, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And we, we got these songs that we sing and, you know, we, we then we say, well, God died for all of us and, and so it is about us. Well, let me explain it to you this way so we all can get this. Redemption is about us. The execution of the redemptive plan is about God. Let me say that again. Redemption is about us. The execution of the redemptive plan is about God. So God is trying to redeem all of us, save all of us, because he loves us. But the way he's going about it is none of our business. (laughs) You get this? So a lot of times we try to get involved. No, God said, no, no, no. You can help me. You can get involved with me. I'm the master at this. I'm doing this. You just get involved with me, and I will show you what you need to do. You go over there and do that. You go over there and do that. You stand right here. You pray
1: right here. God's got it all worked out, and we have to understand that. So God is about saving all of our lives. He wants us all to spend eternity with him, but the way he goes about it is his business. The
0: sooner we get that, the better off we're going to be. Because we want God to save us the way we want him to save us. It's none of our business how he does it. Just listen
1: to him. He says, you must be born again uh, of the water of the spirit. I don't understand why we got to be born again. It is not your business to understand uh, why we got to be born again. Uh, You just need to know God loves you uh, and he wants to redeem you. uh, But how he does it, it's his business. Uh, It's his will uh, and his way.
0: I'm going to get done here. And so Genesis chapter 22, verse number 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and and, and as Isaac, his son, enclaved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went. I want you to make a note of this, that the big thing in verse number 3, chapter 22, was that Abraham went man the time is slipping away Abraham went uh, the, the, the provision of God is in the go the provision of God is in the go we want God to provide things but we want to stay right where we are you can't get the provision until you go it's not until this message that I'm preaching to you was birthed from this it was birthed from this thought here that until you go where God send you, you can't experience the provisions of God. And so a lot of time we want to experience the provision that God told us He would provide for us and when we don't experience it, we can't understand what's happening. But I'm here to
1: tell you, you have not gone where God has sent you and because you have not gone you can't experience the provision. We have to go in
0: order for God to manifest what he said he would do the provision of God is then to go if God told you to go he is well able to provide what you need and he will we will not receive his provision if we do not go we have to go to experience the things God promised Genesis 22, verse 4, it says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes when God told him to go and sacrifice Isaac. It was a three-day journey. Look at it. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. How is it that God told him to go and sacrifice his son, but he made a statement, I'm going to go and worship. You got to figure that one out. God says, sacrifice your son. He says, "Mm -mm, I'm going to go worship.
1: Uh,
0: You know what worship is? I, I describe worship all the time to folks and tell them what worship means. But here is what I want you to hold on to to know what worship is because it's so broad and so wide. Yeah we know what worship is to bow down lay prostrate. Worship is to just, just you know reverence God. All of those things are true. But here is a broad definition that covers all of that. Worship is a solemn devotion unto God. This is why we can look at our offering as worship. When you come to church and you give, you can look, look, look at that as worship because what you're saying is, this is a devotion. I am going to God in devotion. This is, you know, God allowed me to earn this money when, through my job or however I own it. Now I come to Him. I am going
1: as a devotion. God, I give this to you. It is my devotion to you. And that's how we can look at our giving as worship. It's a solemn dedication, devotion to God.
0: That's what Abraham believed he was doing while everybody else thought, well, nobody else thought he was sacrificing the son because he wouldn't say one word. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it up on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went, both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Poor little Isaac. This kid is rolling with dad. He knows about all the uh, sacrifice. You know, kids learn from a young age. And he's like, Dad, we have the wood. We have the knife. We have the fire. But where's the lamb? Because we normally get a lamb and, you know, that's how we sacrifice. Poor kid. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Let me tell you this. We cannot worship God without a sacrifice. This is why worship is so hard for most people. I'm going to finish in a second. Worship is hard for us because we can't worship God without a sacrifice. You can praise God without a sacrifice because I can just move to the rhythm. Uh, yeah. It's just something natural. You know, you can stomp your feet. Something natural. You know, you hear gospel music. And you're like, yeah. That, that you can do and it doesn't take anything from you. Worship Cause you to sacrifice. Meaning, you have to now give yourself. Give everything of you. You're sacrificing yourself. And so, in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was animals. Today, the sacrifice is you. So when you worship God, you're not given an animal now. When you worship God, you're given yourself. That costs you. When we give of ourselves, it always costs us. That's why most people struggle with giving of ourselves. Because it's going to cost you. When you go and spend time with people, it costs you. When you worship God, it costs you. Oh, we got to stop trying to get everything, to get, get the things done that are easy. Most of the things that we want to do, we want to simplify it. We want it to be easy. And so we just try to do the easiest way to get things done. But I'm here to tell you, God changed not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ever. And guess what? Uh, everything that he says, uh, it shall and will come to pass. Uh, and God is not going to change because time has changed. Uh, because we want things to be easier. and We have all these things to make life easier.
1: God uh, says, no, 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 no. Uh, I still want a sacrifice of praise. Uh, I still want a sacrifice uh, of worship. Uh, and it takes you giving yourself. Uh, and that's the way it's always going to be. Why? Uh, right? It can't change. Because God himself uh, was the sacrifice. And if He sacrificed His life for you, He's expecting you to sacrifice your life for Him. So it will never change. There is no easy way to worship God. There is no easy way to surrender and sacrifice your life to God. It will never be easy. It will never be just, oh, this is no problem. It's going to cost you. When Jesus sacrificed His life and went to the cross, it wasn't easy. He had to carry His cross. He had to be Eaten. He had to give himself his life. He bled and hurt. It was not easy. Why do we think it's going to be easy when we sacrifice our life to God? It won't change. So if you stay in a
0: mindset of trying to reach God easy, it ain't never going to happen. God will reach for you. But if you think it's just gonna be easy for you to get to God. You will never get to Him. He's gonna, He's, He's gonna drop the breadcrumbs. He's gonna reach for you. But remember, I told you, He started out easy for you because you're a babe. But you can't stay there. He can't leave you there. He's too good. He is too kind and loving. He, He loves you too much to leave you right where you are because He wants you to grow. He wants you to be strong. He can't leave you there. We want God to leave us right where we are. God, I'm good right here. We're telling God we good right there. And God is saying, are you kidding me? I know everything. You're not good right there. You think you're good right there because I feel comfortable right now. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day where you're realize you're not good right there. I got to move you past right there because you can't stay there. It won't last if you stay right there. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb and a burnt offering. So they both... Or they, they went both of them together and they came to the place which God told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. The sacrifice, ready for this? The sacrifice is obedient and submissive in the act of worship. Let me give you some great revelation. Isaac is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. So listen to this. Isaac, that kid, Dad, the wood, the fire, the knife, but where's the sacrifice? So he knew there was no lamb to sacrifice. So just imagine when his daddy tied him to the altar with the wood. What was he thinking? He was supposed to jump up. Because at that time, his daddy was older. And he was young. If he wanted to, he could have overpowered his dad. Dad was an old man and he was a young man. He could have overpowered daddy, but he stayed on that altar. God is trying to teach us something that when you come before me, you bring yourself to me as a sacrifice. You have to now become submissive.
1: You have to now surrender. You have to now become powerless. You don't have no power or no strength. You just yield yourself to me and say, here I am, God. I belong to you. Do whatever you want. You can't be a sacrifice and do what you want.
0: So Jesus when he came on the scene, he was the all powerful God. You remember when he was on the cross? One of them mocking him talking about, Won't you call some angels now to rescue you? You think he couldn't do it? Well why didn't he do it? Uh, you, you, you see what I'm saying Jesus the all powerful God
1: could have just called some angels to disrupt everything they were doing just like Isaac could have overpowered his daddy and says, I'm not staying on no altar you better go find a lamb yourself
0: so what are we doing what are we doing we're trying our best to get past worship we don't want to worship we just we just want to just kind of make it easy. And God is saying, study me and study my word. It, it, this worship thing is not easy. It's not easy. And so Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. Abraham knew the Lord. And that's why when the Lord called unto him out of heaven, he answered and obeyed. If you don't know God, you won't know what's being told to you to do. You won't know where you're supposed to go because you don't know the Lord. Knowing God is everything to a Christian. When you know God, you will know his voice. When we know God, when we when we know who God is, we have all we need for victorious Living in this life and godliness. And he said and he said, Lay not thy hand upon thy lad, neither do thy do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. This is what God says. I know you fear God now, because you have not withheld. Your only son. You see the progression of faith being increase. God took him to the extreme limit. You don't understand what it meant to have one son that's supposed to carry your, your, your lineage on from way back then. You don't understand what that meant and for him to even do that. The best evidence of us fearing God is when we are willing to serve and honor him with that which is dearest to us. And we are willing to give all to him or for him. What is the most important thing to you? What is the closest thing to you? Is it your kids? Is it your money? Is it your spouse? What is the thing that is dearest to you? You want me to go deep for you? Is is your church the most dearest thing to you? Bob. One time the Lord said to me, my people love the church more than they love me. Scared me to death. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell. He said, the church is my body. But the church still can't be more important to us than him. God is deep, man. Nothing should be more important to us than God. What is the closest thing to you? It could just be you like to have a good time. It could be your money. It could be a relationship. It could be anything. It could be your kids. It could be your job. It could be anything. That's the closest and nearest and dearest thing to you. Ah, No matter what, I got to hold on to that. And God will always come to you about that thing that he knows you have held nearest and dearest to your heart over him. And so God is calling you out today to say, what is that thing? God knows, but he just want me to say it this way. What is that thing that is just the most nearest and dearest thing to you that you will never allow to come in between you and God? You keep on playing it off. And God is saying, until you don't have a problem giving up that thing for me or to me, you can't have me. Yeah. You can't have them. You can fool yourself and think that you are good with God. And God is saying, you can't be good if you have something between me and you. It can't be nothing. Nothing between you and God. God don't accept anything. Now you understand why he says, because I'm a jealous girl. If we allow anything to come between us and God, it proves we don't fear God or we lack faith. Because Abraham had faith, he knew God. Therefore, he knew that even if God allowed him to go through the killing of his only son, Abraham knew if I did it, God would raise him up from the dead. When you know God. Here, you always hear me tell you, I'm almost there. I know I go a little extra today, but this is just something I want to get to you. Listen to this. Listen to this, how Abraham knew God and how me and you have to allow our intimate personal experience to bring us closer to God. Here is what Abraham knew. He knew when he was old and his reproductive system was dead, God brought a kid out of a dead reproductive system. better we better start watching god so sarah and abraham reproductive system it was gone it was done larry was nothing they couldn't produce anything but somehow the almighty god allowed this kid isaac to be born out of dead reproductive system so abraham is smart enough now because he's learning his god increased faith he's learning his god he said if he can let my son be born when me and my wife couldn't really do it. Please, I'm not worried about if I kill him. I can stab him right now and kill him and the knife go through him He he's probably still just breathing because if he let him come through a dead system, he can raise him up or not let him die.
1: We have to pay attention to what God is doing and we won't get lost along the way. We'll be able to keep going forth so the man Abraham knew
0: exactly that no matter what, God was going to raise my son up because God gave me that son from God. I couldn't produce them. My wife couldn't produce him because we was all messed up. We was old in age. Ah, oh, man, I'm done. Abraham knew God so well that he knew God promises are unchangeable. Last verse, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. God will take you and me to our wit's end in order for us to learn to trust him. Mm -hmm. We want it to be easy like when we first got saved. But as you begin to walk with God, it becomes a little bit more challenging. Because God is trying to get you to trust Him more. Abraham would not have, Abraham would not have experienced the depth of God's provision if he didn't go. Don't miss that part. If he didn't go, he would not have experienced the depth of God's provision. And I and, and, and just so you don't miss it today, hear me. We can't brag on material things that God will provide us with and think that that, that that's God is blessing us. Right. To be honest with you, anybody could work hard, especially in America. Anybody could work hard and get material things. Right. So when we get material blessings, it's nothing to brag about. It's nothing to say, God is good, eh, whatever. Because we can all get it if we really put the effort in and work a hard three jobs. We can work three jobs in America. And so if we do it, we can get it. But here is what you want to brag on. You want to brag on that God told you to go and you went and the experiences on that journey were supernatural experience that I couldn't come up with on my own nobody else could have come up with on their own nobody could have given that to me it's only the grace and the blessings of God that I was able to obtain these things on this journey that God called me on and that's what I want you to focus on today that God wants to provide great blessings in your life as you walk with him but the only way it's going to happen is if you go. Stand with me. Instead of Abraham sacrificing his only son, God provided a ram for the sacrifice. Listen, if you don't understand it now, you should understand it after this when I say it. Now we understand that Jesus died in our stead. Isaac was going to be dead. But God says, oh, swap him out, baby. Put the ram. And the ram will be the sacrifice instead of Isaac. Because Isaac couldn't die because Isaac could not represent Christ, because Christ had not come yet. So he could not have died. Abraham Abraham is all in this stuff, man. He could, Isaac couldn't have died, because then he would look like the. Because what did he do wrong? What did Isaac do wrong? Nothing. So he would have become a sacrificial...
1: <laughs> he couldn't die. No way he could die.
0: So God has this thing under control. Here is the story. When you go... God will allow your life to show the future. Because Abraham went and this whole situation took place. Look at this. We were able to glimpse in the future. Jesus Christ would come and be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. It's so much to understand in that little 13 verses of scripture there is so much of the bible and so much about god and so much about us that is contained in that 13 verses of scripture that if you go and look at it you will see so much more but i just wanted to tell you today according to the word of god that god will provide for you when you go God wants to provide for you when you go. He's not worried about material things. Those things will follow you. He will allow them to come. I, I, after a while you'll realize material blessings is nothing. You get tired of it. You, it's no big deal. Having material things, Ah, eh, whatever. After a while you'll get, you live long enough for God, you'll see God will give you whatever you want and you'll be like, ah, eh, it's not that special anymore. And you'll realize, I just want more of God. I just want to know Him better. I just want to get closer to Him. And God is trying to draw us closer to Him. He's not worrying about the material. Those are trinkets to Him. He will give you all of those things. What He wants to really do in your life is move mightily and miraculously in your life to provide spiritual provision. All of us that think that we can't live for God and stay right, God says, not true. If God saved me, He can save you. Brother Kellerman, if God save you, he can save anybody, right?
1: <laughs>
0: we, we have to stop and really understand that everybody that's really trying to live this thing right, you have no, you have no idea where they came from. If you only knew some of us that look like we somewhat kind of godly today where we came from, you'd be like, whoa, God can save anybody. You're right. you're right, God can save anybody. We better start understanding that. Don't look at people and think, oh my goodness, they just see, no, they came from some not nice places in how they were living. No, it wasn't good. And if God can save us, God can save you, but you have to realize He will provide what's needed for you to stay safe. Sister Kendra, God will provide what you need to stay safe. He will. He will. I know it don't look like it's possible. It looks like, man, you're telling me I got to, it, it just seems like a challenge. But I'm telling you, God will do it. God will give you everything you need to make it. Sister Sadie, God will give you everything you need to make it. It might, listen to me even if it seems impossible, struggling and you're saying, man, I'll never make it. It's just so hard and nobody's, you know, around me trying to help me to do this. If you will go as God is leading you, he will give you everything you need to do what got to be done. It's not on you. It's not on you. You got to realize spiritual things. It's not on you. It's on God. Now, if you start thinking naturally and materially, then it's on you. Get three jobs and you can have anything you want. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: you know, you can do things for you materially, but if you ever want to experience spiritual things, it's not on you. It's all on God, but you have to go. You have to put the work in. You have to walk on that journey and God will provide everything you need. How about we go before the Lord today all together. Everybody go before the Lord just for five minutes before we leave here today. I want you to go before the Lord and talk to Him. Worship Him and let Him know how badly you want to enter into that place where there's spiritual encounter. Where where God can provide spiritual provision for you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, Your Word is so amazing and so powerful. We're thankful, Lord God, that we today are able to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that every person today, uh, under the sound of my voice that heard this Word, Lord God, uh, that they will truly understand uh, that, God, if they will go,
1: uh, if they will make up in their mind today, Lord Jesus, uh, to trust You uh, and to go go after you, that Lord God, you will provide what is needed. That Lord God, they don't have to worry about failure. God wants me to tell you, you don't have to worry about failing. You don't have to worry about not being able to make it. God want me to tell you today that He will provide what is needed. He will provide the ram in the bush. He will provide the provision. Oh my God. God want me to tell you that when you think you can't make it, that's when He will come and snatch you. He says, for well, when you are weak, he is strong. But God want me to tell you to call upon the name of the Lord. Don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid to cry out and say, Jesus, I need your help. I cannot do this. I don't have the strength. I need your touch. I need your help. I need to keep going. I want to spend eternity with you. I want heaven to be my home and I want a bona fide relationship with you. Jesus, I call on your name today and I ask that you will help me. Lord God Almighty, whatever that's in my way, that's hindering me, Lord God, from going. Whatever is in my way, Lord, that is hindering me from doing what you want me to do. Lord, I need your help to remove it. I need your help to drive it away from me. I need your help, Lord God, to save me. And so, God, I ask today in the name of Jesus, uh, that you will help me today, uh, that faith will, inact- will will activate action in my life, uh, and that because I know who you are, uh, and all that you've done, uh, my faith, Lord God, uh, will cause me, Lord Jesus, uh, to obey you, uh, to trust you, uh, to, Lord God, sacrifice my life upon the altar, to say, Jesus, uh, have your way, and do what you want, Will somebody lift their hands and worship the Lord today? Will somebody believe God and trust Him? He wants to change your life. He wants to transform your mind. He wants to strengthen you. He will give you what you need to go on. Ah, my God, I've come today to tell you, don't you worry about your mistakes. Don't you worry about the things that you are ashamed of. But you just need to trust the Lord today. He He didn't call you to be perfect. He called you to be complete in Him. He says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path today. Somebody, God is calling you to go. God is calling you to trust Him. God is calling you to worship Him. Oh, God is calling you to make a soul and dedication and devotion to Him. God wants to help you today. God wants to change your life today. But will you come? Will you allow Him? Will you allow faith to cause you to worship? Will you allow faith to cause you to praise? Will Will you allow faith to cause you to pray in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus. One last time. Will you lift your hands with me today? Will you lift your hands with me today? And I want in your very own way, you now-